Welcome to a special edition of the Evolution Exchange podcast where we're going to discuss mindful co-working and joining me today is Carol Bigelow, a team member for software and DevOps at Volvo. So Carol, do you want to start us off with an introduction to you? Sure, thank you very much for having me, Abby. So I work exactly as you said at Volvo as team manager. I have three teams and I'm really always about getting the best out of the teams, but also creating the best environment for them. So mindful co-working was my my recent um, new technique I introduced, which I'm happy to talk about today. Amazing, lovely. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, a Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. So I guess our first question is, what is mindful co-working? Um, I've done a little bit of research myself, so from my understanding, it combines the principles of mindfulness and co-working, and creating that supportive and focused work environment. So it intentionally brings attention to the moment without judgment, to enhance productivity, well-being, collaboration, um, and by incorporating mindfulness into your co-working, you can enhance concentration, manage stress, engage in meaningful interactions with the rest of your team as well. And then this can be expressed through either mindful breaks, mindful communication, and creating a work-life balance. Now, that's probably a very standard answer. (laughs) I can imagine in practice it's slightly different. Um, So what does mindful co-working mean to you and your team? That was a very good explanation. And I actually got uh, introduced to that in my master's program. Um, We had to do do the same like I did with my team. So it was actually an experiment. So we got a bit of theory, but it was all about experimenting. So um, Mm. I tried to introduce exactly the same. So we adjusted a little bit. Let me walk you through how we, uh, the techniques of our mindful co-working day. So I, like I said, I have three teams and each team, it's very important that they decide for their mindful co-working day. That means it has to be a day where everybody feels um, they want to and can be in the office. That also considers, of course, private life. So once they agreed on the day, we all start and and um, we start the day with a mindful um, check-in walk. So we go for a walk within, in, in any weather, which can be very rainy here in Sweden. We don't mind. <laughs> We go and walk around and just check in, like how you're feeling today. And that's where actually mindfulness starts. And that's where I always, um, when I introduced it to the teams, I always said, that's what I want to, want to. that's where I want to change. That's when I want to break habits because you come to the office, you go into the bus, you come to the office, you start the laptop, you start emails and you just go to it. And it's, I call it the robot mode, which is just mm-hmm. not very satisfying. And it's, it's especially if you're, if you're working in um, software or in anything non-working with your hands, I would say. It's hard at the end of the day to see what I did. So you did maybe a lot, but you don't see, I don't know, a building that you built and you see at the end of the day, this is how much bigger it got or anything else. So with this mindful um, check-in walk, you actually set the scene. You set the scene of, of respecting how you are. Maybe your children were super annoying in the morning or your bus was late or they didn't even come. So you acknowledge that. You acknowledge how you feel. 
And that was actually already pretty interesting at the beginning. That was like, well, what should we do now? And they started talking <laughs> about work. And I was like, no, how do you feel? Like, how did you get here? That was weird at the beginning. Yeah. But we got into that pretty quick. Um, after the, the, the next um, important uh, technique is actually the, um, after setting the scene, it's setting the goals. So as I said, at the end of the evening, you want to feel satisfied. You want to feel happy with what you did. So that's always the question I ask. So what do you want to achieve today that you go home and feel happy? So that's my question that I ask them. And that was also strange at the beginning because it's it's not something, you know, that they have a story backlog. It's nothing that they have to um, report to anybody at the end of the day. It's about them. When are they happy? And that's that's the struggle there or the challenge there is not writing tasks, but writing achievements. So yeah. it, it's not just I have to document what I implemented last week. It's like, why should I document? What is the nice part about it? So you actually want to enable users to to know and learn about your implementation last week. So it's a different aspect. That can be a video. You know, at the beginning, you think you have to document and writing it. But thinking of the goal, it can be something, a totally different outcome. And then from there, we go and we choose mindful, um, uh, deep work. So that means it's 45 sessions. And you can either choose between I work for myself or I work with my team colleagues. So collaboration session, we call it. And it's 45 minutes and it has a hard break because our mind, that's the theory again, the mind cannot actually concentrate for two, three hours. And in my experience with the programmers, that was also kind of disruptive. You know, it's like, we're like, no, leave me. leave. And I really had to pull them away, you know, like <laughs> came back and it was, was very nice. But then, you know, coming back and talking about the problems they just had 45 minutes earlier when they had deep work or just after, you know, breaking the session and saying like, let's, let's talk about something else now and have the mind, give the mind a break. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, um, we have a mindful checkout. So you just have these sessions throughout the day and then you stop and then you answer the question, am I happy? Am I happy with what I achieved today? And mostly um, the, the question is most likely because we also have the breaks is mostly yes. And it's not just, yes, I'm happy. It's I achieved this and that. And you share that again in the group and everybody shares what they actually achieve. Their personal goals, like I said, no scrum master or, or me and my role as team manager, nobody asks does that, uh, you know, were you too slow? Were you too fast? Dependencies. It doesn't matter. You set your own goals. And that's when we go out in, into our private life again. Amazing. So you really create that difference between work and life of being like, right, we'll come in, we'll check in, no work. It's all about you and who you are. Are you happy? And obviously you do the work in the middle of that day and then you check out so you can go back to life and not think about work again. Exactly. Amazing. So how was that when you started to implement it into the team of, of almost changing the mindset or the, you know, the words that they used? How was that when you first introduced it? It was very um, funny, actually. It was, um, they all thought it was, it had to do like yoga or meditation. <laughs> <laughs> they were totally like what what to expect. And, and it was a was pretty nice discussion. It's like, no, you're not going to be relaxed by meditation it's not like yoga you're going to be relaxed because you achieved something and you did it mindfulness you and i also explained with the with the slow and, and fast part of the brain there's a whole theory behind that so we had a lot of talks about what it actually is what is mindfulness what is the goal of mindfulness and i'm still not finished learning i have such a long way to go 
But having this day where you focused on learning together and having discussions was, was for me amazing, actually. Yeah, I guess it's important not to just almost throw it in and say, this is what we're doing now, and then just continue fast on the work. You've got to take that time to explain why you're doing it, what it means to each individual person, because it will mean something slightly different to, I guess, each team member. And just take that pause and be like, right, this is what we're doing. This is why. And this is how hopefully it will will help you as well. Exactly. And also adapt. I mean, we started, um, maybe that's, that's um, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but we started um, with introducing this is, is we, we said we commit to an experiment, not more. So we're not going to change everything that we just know and and just just start slow. So we committed to an experiment that was one planning increment, so the, um, iteration. So that's ten weeks. So we do it once a week with one team, and we learn together. So it's it's, it's and for instance the fika we that's the very Swedish thing as as you <laughs> most know, <laughs> and they said why not you know introduce a fika and have kind because we have many cultures in our team. So every week every another teammate brings them um, a fika with so something to eat and they shared that so they they did a whole they implemented that into the day which which matches perfectly which is not in any theory so learning by that. doing yeah and I guess that obviously helps your team culture they can learn more about each other and introduce new things I love that exactly the um so how long would you say that it took you from that very first day where you spoke to them to it running smoothly? It actually took um, these 10 weeks, I would say. Like the yeah. first three weeks, it was just, just the walk was already a challenge, you know, just doing the check-in. I really had to do it every every single week. I had to say like, no, I'm not interested on, on your emails or, or your <laughs> stories. Uh, everybody should really share about something they arrived, something on their mind. You're like, where are you? So that was at least three weeks until they kind of got into that mood. And then it took another few weeks to get used to these 45 sessions. You know, they sometimes, you know, it's not, it has to be a bit strict. I would say that's a success factor. Yeah. And so to break the patterns, it's it's something that doesn't come natural. And if you don't, if you do it once or twice, you're not never going to feel comfortable. So that took another at least uh, like all in all six weeks to just to get used to the new schedule, new rhythm and, and getting the mind, the advantages of, of having more focus through this mindful co-working and these sessions. And then it took another few weeks to to just get into the habit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I guess everything takes time. So what are the, is the team's feedback from this? How have they responded now that everything's running in motion? Yeah, the feedback. So I did um, surveys. I did surveys um, every three weeks, and I asked the the I had I really had this this experiment. So I had this um, control group, and I had this uh, experiment group. And the funny thing was that uh, even the control group, because they saw what they do, you know, the others did, although they had no idea. They'd had no I, I didn't give them theory or anything. But the feedback from both groups was was that their collaboration improved, that their focus improved. So that was for me surprising. So just talking about what do people need to collaborate in the best way? Just that talk, because it was so present once a week, the whole day, like uh, the no distractions, like Outlook is, is is shut down, Teams is shut down, your phone is put away. Just that had a huge impact on the other teams as well. They were like, I wish I could do that too. I mean, they're so privileged. 
so the feedback was was very very good yeah absolutely i think especially in like the modern day where you have got your phone constantly with notifications and your emails and your linkedin and everything you might think that you're focused but then actually you'll see that notification about oh i'll just check that or just look at that and it just breaks it so i think that's a really good idea or a good technique to just completely almost zone out from everything else other than that one specific task that you do in exactly and the team and what also what i didn't expect is that uh, knowledge sharing happened like like you said just focus on this one task and one team you actually had time for big questions because usually you have like you know you have a backlog refinement you have a, a story refinement feature you know you have all these specific time and that they're time box which is good but sometimes you just need more time and they sometimes there's one topic for the whole team the whole day and they have all, yeah. all 45 minutes. They just have time to think it through and go through their worries and their their thoughts Just think it through, talk it through. And that was an, an outcome I didn't expect, the knowledge sharing. So everybody actually knew exactly who was working on and, and on the go, not like at the end of, of 10 weeks, you have like yeah. demos and, and you catch up with them and you document. So that was happening on the spot that was a huge advantage as well amazing what other benefits have you seen from introducing this into the team um definitely also team bonding although i had a question in my surveys i was like how do you feel um is is the culture between you and and the social bond is that improving they all said like no it's almost the same but for my observations it's because they had you know they shared their challenges together a whole day i felt that um you know, the juniors were kind of on a much high, on a eye level more with the seniors because yeah. the seniors were, you know, every perspective is important, right, for a challenge. So that's where they, I think they got immensely more closer together. Yeah, I think one when you're in that team and, you know, it's kind of difficult for you to realize what's happening or changing around you. And, you know, it's like almost like a child's growing up you yourself don't see yourself growing taller or you know growing bigger but then a family member who hasn't seen you for a while or doesn't see you every single day will come and be like oh you're you're tall now you've grown (laughs) so I guess that's a bit like your team where it's like every day they don't see that change but then maybe you who checks in maybe not 100% of the time but comes back in and be like actually no you guys are different but for the better as well yeah that's a very good comparison maybe it's exactly that (laughs) (laughs) nice so have you can you share any examples or anything specific where you've seen it benefit the team um yes so the the, we also had like this pretty much a few weeks before i started with this um, experiment we had this idea that we need some some upskilling, you know, from some because there some were like very focused on on some task, others were more in the complex zone. But you needed time to to share this complexity with everybody in the team. So that we started that before that uh, experiment. So that actually happened just on the flow. So so the the knowledge sharing, like I said before, that was definitely one huge advantage as well. But also. The, that's one part, but also the they got more mature and bold to take the time they need. You know, mm. like they were not guilty anymore to to because I mean you can always have an afternoon where you just you know put in your calendar and block it. Mostly that's that's possible. I mean you can yeah. just say no meetings there. So they they start doing that much more. So it was less like this reactive mode, and and I'm just being torn between every task and stories, but also support and. So they have much more focus and time 
dedication to to their rhythm and and their actually capacity these does that, benefits sorry does that no. take up more time in terms of deliverables then if they are taking a bit more time with everything does that delay any of your plans or anything how does it affect your roadmap that's a very good question and the scrum master of course was worried <laughs> it was like carol we have to deliver I'm, <laughs> i mean it's good and i like the thought behind that but you know we have stories to deliver we have stakeholders yeah. that expect um, things were getting done and actually so I got commitment from the stakeholders to give a little bit of you know slack give us a little bit of slack yeah. in case we were getting slower but it was the opposite we got much faster and we actually started to commit to less but doing it you know all the way mostly you you know you're not done with just the code it, it's so much left and right and dependencies and we take more time for that but at the end we're much quicker so that's right. that's also something I didn't expect or what wasn't on my agenda yeah. From the beginning so is the scrum master on board with this now then <laughs> yes yes he he was the first one to implement it with the other teams as well <laughs> amazing perfect are there any other challenges when you've been trying to implement this or that you've seen now that it's working in the team um i think the challenges and we're doing it now a half a year and the challenge is keeping them on track it's the mind mm-hmm. is just it's just so sneaky of getting, you know, into that robot mode. It's the comfortable, it's comfort zone, you know. So that's an ongoing challenge, which I'm, I'm a bit, you know, I'm, I'm, I even say I can be a little bitchy <laughs> when it comes <laughs> to that. And I'm just like, let's, let's get back, you know, let's try it again. Let's, you know, you know, like the check-in walk. They, they tend to say like, yeah, it's not necessary today. And I like, it's so necessary. It's so essential. Yeah, getting them back to no, it's, it's that if you don't start with, with talking how you how you feel or, or your capacity about the day all the rest following is, is suffering right mm-hmm. but that's an ongoing challenge just to remind them like hey let's let's stick to the to the structure and, and the structure is just pretty much all all to it all that it takes everything else comes then naturally yeah i guess it's that consistency that you've got to maintain yeah. otherwise you know one thing will slip like you said if you don't go on that morning walk you don't know how it could affect the rest of the day so um no, it seems like you you guys have got the good plans and going going well. And um, what other advice would you give to potentially other leaders who would want to try and consider implementing mindful co working into their teams? So I, I would say two advice I would give. The one is first, if you start, I think it it needs to have clear expectations, and that's it. It can be very different, right? And it and I have three teams, and they have absolutely three times different expectations so give the room for that give the space for that what do we expect out of this mindful co-working that could be super individual respect that take time for that and also measure it like once you have the expectations written down follow up on them like did we meet these expectations and maybe you did not maybe you need to tweak it a little bit so that talk around this expectations and meeting the expectations is super important the second advice I would give is um, set the rules, set the rules for deeper collaboration, set the rules for time also there, super individual, maybe one and a half hours is better for for you and your team, but stick to the rules. Like And also like the chicken walk. Yes, it can be kind of uncomfortable at the beginning, but it's it's just so essential. Just stick to the to the essential um, techniques of mindfulness. Like where, where do you have to trick your mind and 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 stick to that and be aware and stick to that yeah absolutely i guess again it's that consistency of just keeping it up and keeping it going um 
but it seems like this technique is obviously something you're really passionate about and it's working really well in your teams um, and it's definitely something that I will start talking to my team about and see if we can start doing things like this. Um, are there any other final thoughts that you want to share about mindful co-working? Um, maybe the one thing is um, we focus very much on on-site. So for me, it was something that um, I I think it was my focus was to go to work on this um, social capital, like really, you know, these little things that you cannot really always do remote, you know, the mimics and everything, trying to find an instrument to, to use that best. And I chose on-site. But I think, I didn't experiment, but I think you can do that just as well with remote. I mean, this structure, like with a chicken, you can maybe not go on a walk or maybe go on a walk and just have the mic on. But I think that's, that's something you can do with both. Amazing. Yeah, I guess most teams now are distributed or you'll have those days where you're remote working. So it's nice that you'll still use it, even though sometimes your team are remote Um but perfect thank you for listening to this special episode of the evolution exchange podcast all about mindful co-working uh do reach out to carol if you have any other further questions or want to pick her brain about it and i guess i'll see you all on the next episode thank you carol thank you very much